0: Say young baby, call them baby I do
1: Episode 285. I am your tardy and worthless host, Mike Apps, aka Wheels, and with me is Ace,
2: Insomniac,
3: and Dead on the Pavement, and you, and utilizing his patient persona, your manager pen, Michael Baker. Gaiden no kitarai.
1: Nice. So, I know what you've been playing. Same thing as regular. I mean, I don't
3: actually cycle through the games that quickly. <laughs> uh, I feel like I'm being called out. Harsh. No, I don't have that much free time. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I'd probably be downloading Romancing Saga 2, uh, Romancing Saga minstrel song right oh now. Oh
1: my god, let's write this out, like, right uh, now. Yes, that it is.
3: The mission just came out. Yeah.
1: Dragon Quest Treasures is next week. going
2: mm-hmm. to... I'm
1: just going to bury myself in a stack of Switch cartridges.
2: Bury me with my Switch cartridges.
1: Yes.
3: Take me out to that landfill in Arizona with all the copies of E.T. Nice.
1: As long as I don't have to play E.T.
2: It's actually mostly
1: Defender and Pac-Man cartridges. Who wants to talk about what they've been playing first? Should I talk about the Pokemans? No, I. We're gonna talk about the Personas. I finished the normal gym the other day. The gym leader. How normal was it? The gym leader was a salary man. And that's
3: pretty, it's fairly normal,
1: complete with the boss yelling at him like in the middle of the fight. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind oh, of God. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't even hit me like until like halfway through the gym. It's, oh, normal gym, of course. Salary Man, yes, it's all this all makes sense. This game is wonderful, I love it.
0: Um.
1: Yeah, it's I am really happy with the game. I've only had one crash so far. And we've we've done two Sunday night shenanigans playing like co op the whole time with no issues other than that one crash, so uh it's it's going well. I caught some cool new Pokemon. I got some kind of fire ghost dude. I just caught an ice dragon. It's good times. Music is great just got to like an icy mountain area that's pretty cool and there's still tons of uh the area left to explore so uh i can't wait to see what kind of dlc they add onto this too because i think there's uh, like some areas on the map already that are like shaded out seemingly for future dlc so enjoy it um, Budai's in I chat. You aren't playing that Minstrel Song remaster yet. I'm downloading. Ugh, I'm being called out. God it works. <sighs> <sighs> Okay. But yeah, that's pretty much all we've been playing other than, than Destiny and Poking Along and um, Trails in the Sky. Which I am mm-hmm. going to set aside some time to finish this week. Be so, like. Yes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <It's so tight. laughs>
3: play. Same thing we play every week, Pinky.
2: Yeah, maybe for the next hundred hours.
1: Persona
3: Oh eventually I'll just put something else on for a while, but Are this you is en- good. It's Are you it has not worn it? out of twelve yet.
1: Good.
2: Good.
3: So what's going on in the game right now? Um I'm apparently being targeted by not exactly Anonymous. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah. That's a good yep. one. And j- just from art I have seen over the years and also the silhouettes in the prologue, I'm quite certain that this hacker is going to be joining the party and I'm wondering okay, what persona does she have? And if it happens to be Guy Fox, I'm going to be laughing. <laughs>
2: uh, you'll, you'll see. I'm um,
3: sure I'll be cool. laughing anyway, mm-hmm. but the idea of her actually having a Guy Fox mask and
2: world not ready,
3: yeah. Ah, mm. oh, dang! It's chainsaw time with the twins again. Yeah. Mm. This is after I paid money to go just one level over level cap. I mean...
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. Budai's trying to I decide start to, start, to start with. Please, do I start as Claudia?
3: Orpheus. Okay. Hmm?
2: Um, yeah, on PS2 we'd like to play Claudia, and so trying to decide who to. Let's
3: see. On um, PlayStation 2, I remember playing... I, I did Barbara first on PlayStation 2 back... Oh, wow. This was 18 years ago. Dear. Okay. Yes. The inevitable um, March of Time uh, aside. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it was 17, 17 years ago. But, um, yeah, don't do Barbara's first. So you, you need to know exactly where you're going if you want to do Barbara. Very well. Yeah. But, um, let's see. Yeah, Claudia is a good one to start with. says so Albert. says so Aisha. Hmm. I mean, I was wanting to do a whom to start feature for the site for this one, but nobody but nobody was biting on the suggestion.
0: Yeah. Sometimes it's hard. Oh, oh well. Wow. Yeah. Um that's
2: for me. Played mostly stuff I've talked a bit about before. Played some, some more East Five nearing the end of that one. That's uh, a pretty good game. I think it's uh, a, little, a little underrated. People tend to treat it as uh, the weakest entry, and I think it's I think it's pretty good. It's very it's very uh, it's very, uh Transitionary game, I guess I would describe it. Uh, both versions of East 4 from when the games were new were very much games built around uh, reassuring people who felt burned by the changes to East 3 that uh, classic East was not going anywhere, and then there was never another game that actually played like East 1 and 2 after 4. Uh, because uh, East Five introduced jumping and uh, an actual attack button, and in many ways, really is just play you know, East Six, despite being released a good ten years later, is very much just building on ideas that were uh, implemented in Five and just sort of building them into ways that make them eh, smoother, faster, playable better. But 5, Five is kind of interesting as a game the is a developer who had clearly mostly, if not only, worked on Japanese PCs to that point, trying to make the most Super Famicom game game possible. (laughs) And so it dives headlong into every aesthetic trapping of Super Famicom RPGs, um, it, does, it does a good job of them but it's also very clear that it's them trying to fit an aesthetic that they've essentially only observed to that point so it's uh but it's, it's good it plays it plays reasonably well it's got some uh growing pains because it's completely re, uh redone uh you know how environments fit together because there's you know all the jumping and there's Changes to how the combat works, but in general, I think I think it's pretty good. Uh, the music is not steady anymore, and that's something a lot of people who played the TurboGrafx games get hung up on. But I think it's it's good Super Nintendo sense, and the soundtrack is quite good. It's, it's, it's a Falcom game, but still a Falcom game, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so I've been I've been enjoying that. It's it's a pretty it's a pretty interesting game uh i played some more cyberpunk 2077 getting in on the tail end of that Uh, that's been pretty interesting uh to get kind of in depth into some of the weirder uh cyberware options uh i was having a great deal of difficulty with a uh amateur boxing uh, series of sub-quests. Uh, and it turns out that there is a very easy way to win those, and that's to get the uh, gorilla arms cyberware and then just punch things, and then just you know beat them to... Not death, but beat them to within an inch of their lives. Uh, it turns out that while you may not be allowed to bring weapons in, they can't actually remove the gorilla arms everywhere, so you're just going to have to, you know, hit the, like, a truck, and that's just going to happen. <laughs> but yeah, so, managed to get through that. Huh? What Ah. Uh, but yeah. So that's, that's been fun. Uh, I have to
1: wait for the painter.
2: In general, the things I've been impressed by remain remain the same. It's,
1: uh, Let's see what I can do in the
2: morning. Okay. It's got some pretty good, uh, okay. generally good quest writing. I this is nice. still a pretty interesting setting. Uh, and you know, it has its flaws. It's, you know, it's one of those big open world RPGs that's so still a little buggy, but not too bad uh, relative to its peers. Uh, yeah, in general it's uh, I've, been, I've been having fun <laughs> to the point where I'm excited for the uh, expansion content let's do out next year, so. have- where's your endorsement have-
0: uh,
2: Wheels seems to be having some sort of uh, off, hopefully off mic conversation uh, mm-hmm.
0: let's see uh, well he does have I- a toddler in the background
3: apparently
2: yeah, that tends to be the case. Uh, Budai says, people who say Pokemon never changes haven't played this one yet. No, like this was, this, 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 uh, both this and Legends have been them going out on a limb to try to evolve Pokemon as a general ongoing concern. And, I mean,
3: yeah, I I, I saw I saw the comment about comparing Pokemon to Madden. I'm like, what in the world are you smoking, dude?
1: What did I um, miss when I was away? What? <laughs>
3: Um, it's like oh, a a comment on the podcast saying um, like, somebody happens to think there isn't a thing that Nintendo, Pokemon Company or Game Freak are going to do to change things up until they have to and as long as the games continue to sell well they have no need or incentive to risk the gravy boat by changing things up and so they don't expect them to do anything more than a minimal effort like frankly they're no different at the core from the Madden games aside from the absence of loot boxes Mm. Yeah, and that Charles is Hermon like
2: especially has gone like this was not the generation to make that comment.
3: Oh no, no! If you had made that comment like around Game Boy Advance generation, not even then no. Diamond Pearl—that's yeah. the closest. That's the worst I could think of. There. Yeah, but
2: in general, like oftentimes the the changes would be relative, relatively subtle.
3: Uh, yeah, because even like Diamond Pearl had the big shift from having. Um, so, like the stats supporting a, an attack being based on the attack's type and then changing it completely from there. That yeah. was actually a really major... I remember that that was a huge under-the-hood change. It was kind of controversial at the time. Yeah. Because it really people, changed people the meta.
2: That, which, was in, which was ultimately a Band-Aid they were going to have to rip off because it just instantly made tons of any Pokemon yeah. that was statted wrong for its type unviable.
3: Yeah, I mean, I remember Feraligator was considered completely useless... And meta, just because it was—it was a physical attacker that was a water type. Yes, exactly. So they fixed that in Gen Four. Yeah.
2: Infamously, yeah. there's a, there's
3: a bunch of other ones that are like that. Uh,
2: some some yeah. of them weren't actually fixed because their pools weren't very, still aren't very good. But like something like Flareon, which was like, oh, its primary stat is physical attack, and what is its uh, type? Oh, it's Fire. Well, it's fucked.
3: yep but yeah um, and then just further commentary on this goes show that this particular person has no idea what they are talking about um, because they don't actually play the games
2: yeah it's one of those things like if you don't keep track of Pokemon it can be
3: hard to tell uh, just just looking from the outside it seems to be the same game over and over again except it is definitely not yeah, the under the hood changes are often there's at least one major
2: thing that they clearly spent a lot of time
3: on, and and, and like, even the quote unquote hood ornament changes are massive at times.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But yeah, especially with uh, this, this, like especially now is maybe the the time when that is the least salient because Scarlet and Violet are actually massive, obvious changes mm-hmm. in most parts of the
3: game. Yep for Good and for ill, and explained quite thoroughly in every single review ever written of them.
0: Hmm, uh, yeah.
2: Uh, I see that uh, Kroll has uh, some uh, has, has a question that was left on the most recent uh, episode, maybe most recent. Says it was posted last week, so this might actually be two episodes ago. I don't know.
3: (laughs) It was at some point. Yeah, Uh, it's it's it's, the newest one on the the most recent one posted. Yeah, it's Mm. the newest one on the site.
2: Uh, What would you like to see from an eventual Persona Six? Does the series need to innovate to maintain momentum, or should it focus on iteration rather like Dragon Quest? I think that part of the key to why I would say that. I'm certain there are people that are tired of the Persona formula, but I don't think that it needs to shift that wildly, by virtue of the fact that there's still like there are a lot of RPG other RPGs currently imitating it. There still aren't any
3: that do it particularly well. (laughs) I've played several that I enjoyed that were definitely either inspired by Persona or simply running in the same basic genre. Yeah. As I mean, I've also played enough to realize that Persona 3 was not actually that innovative. It was just the first one of that particular storytelling style that made it West. It's it's one of those It also did quite well. It does
2: it well. It's doing it in a way that, uh, how to describe this, how to describe this. Uh, it's, Doing it in a way that more actively marries traditional RPG elements to this structure, and mm. intermingles them in a slightly more obvious, uh, like yeah, one hand like you know each each portion has some has a greater mechanical intermixing. Yep.
3: Yeah. I mean, they did they definitely did a better job of mixing the some of the visual novel-related elements to, to more traditional G RPGs. A lot of the games I'm actually thinking of were actually tactical RPGs that just happened to have a very similar storyline. <laughs> tactical RPGs um, would
0: make
2: me think that they probably were at least also fighting off Sakura Taisen.
3: Um, A bit of that, but no, I'm talking like much more in the kind of the, the dark post-Cyberpunk style also mm. like secret government group of high schoolers who are fighting unseen powers um, not with the giant robots mm. but um, like you could imagine, you could swap the, the C's or however you mm. pronounce it from Persona 3 their yes, extra geez. group you could swap this group out with a group from any one of like five other games I can think of for Playstation and it would be effectively the same story mm-hmm um, I mean, obviously some of the greater elements are different, but even to things like, oh, um, whoever is running the program for the government is not actually who he seems to be. Or... I mean, that's just take, old take anime your pick of Take your pick of actually how that plays out, because I've seen it play out like five different ways for five different games, but it was all true that whoever was in charge of the program could not be trusted. Um, yeah, or <laughs> anime archetype. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's very much... Persona 3 was very much a project of the late '90s, early aughts for anime, manga, and video games.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, so it's so if we're talking about innovation with the later-day Persona series, a lot of it's a lot of it's not going to be in the gameplay loop or the structure because they've hit a pretty good medium. Pretty good medium for that. It's probably more going to vary depending on or vary on how they present the characters and what themes they decide to focus yeah. on.
0: Because,
3: mm-hmm. like I said, Persona 3 actually had a fairly bog-standard s- um, set of characters and reasonings for them to be doing stuff. Yeah, to the and point where you it's had actually Persona... kind of a problem. Just by virtue of the yeah. fact that they don't
2: have reasons to hang out other than their archetypes.
3: <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so a lot of what made that one really interesting for Americans is the fact that nobody had seen that particular set before unless they were very much into... Underground um, anime series, The underground anime
2: series, and like a, like games that were combining life slash dating sim elements into other genres,
3: which we must admit was a very small portion of the gaming demographic. But I mean, then but to switch things up, then you have Persona Four, which is based almost entirely on urban mythology and basically the Scooby Squad, hmm. <laughs> a Scooby Doo type gang, hmm. and, and with all the things being about self image, media representation, and um, being whether you should be who people think you are.
2: Yeah. And also, just generally, like, how that relates to the truth of what a person is.
3: Yeah. And then now we have Persona 5, which is quite obviously all about the ways that society can keep us down and how you fight back. Yeah. <laughs> so. But yeah. It's it's one Which of Which is things. why I have no idea how this next chapter is of the story is going to be going, but it's looking to be kind of interesting.
0: Mm.
2: It's it's a fun one. It's got it's one of my favorites. Same uh, uh, Yeah, I, I think that that's the, the more fertile ground rather than trying to reimagine the actual structure of the game because again like it's a strong structure that no one else does quite as well as they do. Yeah, and they uh, could be getting better at it. Yeah, like with because with the, like, they, they like five also does a good job of further coupling the two aspects of the of the dichotomy of how the game is designed. Because like one of the issues you run into in Persona Four is that it's essentially always better to spend time with a character who is in your party over someone who is not, because spending time with someone in your party gives you someone who will be uh, like someone who's getting a tangible benefit from uh, upgrading that commandant or S link at that time, whereas in Persona 5, it, because it was like one of the things where like party members get new abilities and such from having higher ranks, whereas non-party members, all they can give you is higher-level personas in their arcana once you max them out, and experience every time you generate Personas in that Arcana. So it it becomes, like, there's only so much they can give you. In Persona 5, because of the way the Confidant system works, like, every character is much more, like, there's much more to weigh about who you want to spend time with.
3: Yeah, and I I like how you can get bonus side abilities by advancing social links. Yeah, like, that
2: gets gets you a lot. Like, a lot of them, some of them are extremely strong. The star, uh, Confidant. I've Uh, gotten a few from her, yeah. The Star Confidant by the end has given you so many changes to what you can do in combat, that combat becomes kind of unrecognizable.
3: Like, you really get some really strong
2: abilities late in that one.
3: Uh, for some reason I'm having trouble getting the Sun started. Because that's the politician, right?
2: Yeah, the politician. Uh, You don't ever have to worry. I think he always... Uh, improves every time that you uh, spend time with him, so you don't have to worry about having a son Carcano or something.
3: I've but... I've had trouble actually starting that because it, well, first of all, it took me a while to figure out how to get a part time job, and now he mm. won't actually show up when I do it. Yeah, you yeah. have to
2: do it like you have to do that part time job like three times. I think it's a beautiful one. Okay, well I will. Next time I have a free evening, I'll do that. Yeah, he's useful because he gives you some. He makes negotiations easier, obviously, but also he gives you oh, some, cool. uh, I think he improves your charm every time you spend time with him. So he's, he's, you get a lot out of him. Okay. Uh, oh.
3: And of course he is only available up until the election. All, so. But when is the election? It's November. Okay. Well, I will see if I can just at least get a couple links out of him before it gets cut off. Yeah. It, it'll be a while. You got to. Um, I mean, I'm in early July right now, or mid July. Yeah, you'll have
2: time. Uh, yeah. But yeah, in mm-hmm. general, like the the tighter coupling between uh, the social elements and the RPG elements uh, gives you a lot more considerations about yeah. who to spend time with and why. Uh, and in general, like there's. Some, some abilities certainly are more useful than others, depending upon how good you are at certain aspects of the game. But all of them yeah. do have something that they give. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, my biggest okay. my biggest thought with six would be like uh, how they top five aesthetically. Which is...
3: I was gonna say they're gonna have to go for a completely different color scheme. A uh, completely which, different color scheme, which I mean they did already because yeah, four was all yellows and five is all red. All reads all blues, yeah.
2: except for the, the female protagonist replaces all the blues with pinks, which doesn't really work because the entire rest of the game's color scheme is still the same, Blue. but the point is, they, they each have unique color schemes, so I'm curious what uh, I could see maybe greens next. I was going to say, yeah,
3: greens gonna be my next pick.
2: Yeah, that's, so. that seems like a logical next yeah. choice.
3: There's also, what theme are they going to go with for the Personae, because the first one was all Greco-Roman history and mythology, the second one was japanese history and literature and ive is all um
0: historical
3: literary or (laughs) pseudo-historical revolutionary figures Mm -hmm. so oh yeah um also I, i mean Carl's question actually had me thinking about this for a while the other day um but i'm just thinking about how they're probably never going to get out of the high school social situation
0: yeah, it's I don't, I don't see that in the Yeah.
3: <laughs> I mean, because it, it provides the very, like, the literally the best balance of highly structured and free to do stuff mm. at the same time. Like, the, the most um, you could really take out of that
2: is maybe college, but that loses a lot of structure.
3: Yeah, um, yeah, the call. Co- if you go. Yeah, if you take it to Japanese college, then it loses almost all of the strictness of structure. It helps, but it also seriously messes with the free time because Mm. you're more likely to be working and studying. Yeah. Which there's ways to make
2: that interesting, but it would require a pretty heavy rethinking of how to structure a game.
3: Yeah. And also in the consideration that at least as far as Japan's concerned, most of your actual social links in real life are made in junior and senior high school. Yeah.
2: One of those things where it's like everything else is going to be coasting from you in terms of your what what links you're making
3: (laughs) I mean not not necessarily coasting but like I was talking to a fellow foreign teacher at my high school and she's new to the country and she was noticing that I mean there are people that she knows are married and they don't actually go do social stuff together in the evenings Mm -hmm. and it was like part of that is simply because a lot of their social stuff is with like oh some junior high friends are back in town let's all hang out
0: Hmm.
3: and this is people in their late 20s early 30s and they're hanging out with their old junior high school friends because those are some of the best friends they ever made
0: Hmm.
3: and or not even i'm talking or i'm thinking like keep like old salary men in their 50s and 60s hanging Hmm. out with old junior high school friends and reminiscing truly terrifying (laughs) I mean, it's just kind of alien for a lot of Americans who can't. That's why I say terrifying. Cannot wait Doesn't... to get out of high school and leave it all behind.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: yeah. Um, but. And then, as for post-college, like business world, no, it's simply not going to work properly. Hmm. Um it wouldn't work properly if you literally abandoned don't have the entire time frame um, set up and like bombed Tokyo to the dirt and the salaryman had to survive
2: <laughs> now then you're just getting deep into uh, deep into
3: regular Shin there. <laughs> yeah exactly um, the just the, regu- the uh, latter day persona scheduling system will not work very well outside of a high school yeah. or probably junior a... junior high school would work as well but then you're kind of going down towards you're, more you're getting to more limited freedom
2: it's getting harder for a broad audience to identify with yeah <laughs> yeah so I, I don't personally really see uh I I don't personally really see a complete rethinking of the... Like, if you're wanting it to move out of high school, I would not. I would give you much better odds that it stays there. (laughs) Put it that way. Uh, I think that's our only question. Comments? Uh, Double check. Sure. Yeah looks like in the past three episodes I was going to new a few questions and comments. We should be fine.
1: We're fine.
2: Everything's fine.
1: This is fine. Uh, I can't
2: believe my brain is
1: being forced to think
0: at this hour. Uh, <laughs>
2: let's see. Uh, there's one question that was placed in podcasts oh. last week that we did not touch. I was going to say, Fire Miner had a huge long list here. Yeah, there was one that was very specific to you.
3: So I, I didn't even know if you did a podcast last week because, you know, Thanksgiving. We
1: yeah. did a short Was it short? I think we intended it to be short, and then we kind of talked and about for Pokemon for, like, two hours. That's
2: your fault. Uh, That's but true. Yeah,
1: there,
2: was, there was one... Uh, Oh wow! Well, I just I just realized that uh, we actually had a bunch of new questions
0: on Thanksgiving.
2: There was one for Guyjin uh, that, like, we we had no capacity to discuss. So, uh, how big is Violet and Scarlet marketing in Japan right now? My brother recently showed himself pushing a trolley full of Pokemon stuff either
3: bought, was given, or won for free. I mean. Try to imagine how much you think Pokemon is advertised in Japan, and then triple that, and it's probably still not Mm. as much as it actually is. Wow. You cannot
2: live a day in Japan at the moment without seeing some Pokemon.
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, I just walked into the convenience store today, and there was a... Like, on one little rack, I'm not even sure what there was something-something supplements, something-something like bandages, something It was like a a minor first aid and health Mm -hmm. section. And Mm -hmm. it was like, buy two items, get a Pokemon Scarlet Violet Clear File free.
2: Ooh! That explains some- that explains the not-for-free bit of that statement. Yeah.
3: Um, so yeah. Stuff. Lots of stuff. Lots and lots and lots of stuff. Um... It's kind of like the time I was asked, um, I think back when one of the Dragon Quests was delayed, like three months, mm-hmm. and it was almost time for the actual release, and somebody sent me a letter asking, oh, were they bringing the advertising up again? And I'm like... <laughs> it never stopped. <laughs> it never stopped. It never stopped. In fact, it was like... Um, they had all the signs and advertising out from right before they announced the delay, and they they never took the stuff down. <laughs> and they just kept you adding more. You still
0: know is coming.
3: Yeah. So, yeah, it's like yeah, you got you talk as if they ever stopped advertising this stuff. No, they did not. So yeah,
2: sounds like the answer here is pervasive and all
3: encompassing. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean that's kind of par for the course with Pokemon.
2: Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Let's, see. Uh,
2: let's hit up some of these other questions he's brought in because we got a pretty good crop of fairly relevant to recent discussions. Uh, probably will stop after this and wait until the list is finished. Uh, in regard mm-hmm. to your comment on the last episode of level polish and triple games and their lack of ambition, doesn't let her have more to do with the top heavy bureaucratic management workers on the ground level finding themselves with a voice and operational calls being reduced quantifiable data points i mean yeah i i don't remember precisely what we would have said but my guess is that
3: our points are not in disagreement here yeah like i don't i don't I think that, people
0: okay
3: i was gonna say that sounds like something that's being produced by a big corporation which is mm-hmm. kind of the definition of triple a
2: yeah like like, like I, I don't think if we if we had this discussion Person to person, I don't think we would find many points where we're actually disagreeing on. Uh, in, in general, the, the way I would describe it is just that, like, you know, the diagnosis is always going to be that AAA games are homogenized for primarily reasons of money says appeal to this broad group, broad group of people as possible,
3: and the broadest like, common denominator.
2: Yeah, and then you just look at you you can see what corporations think those are based on what commonalities you see between uh things that otherwise really shouldn't resemble each other like you know sony's entire current slate or ubisoft's entire current slate you can see the broad commonalities of like this is what they what the thought is about what broad appeal is and yeah. uh you you can that is very much... I, I don't think that that is necessarily something specific that, you know, is built into the minds of most ground-level uh, ground developers, but, you know, ultimately they're not... If someone else is paying your bills, they get to call the shots on what they what you're making. Yeah. If you, if, if you try to push against that relationship, oftentimes you end up not being the ones making it anymore.
3: Yeah. So... Um. Oh, I'm, I'm remembering this really, really strange Canadian novel called J-Pod now mm-hmm. and it's it's a weird book but the main character and his friends are in what's called the J-Pod, it's basically this one small segment of a larger company that gets all of the rejects dumped onto it, the people that mm-hmm. they can't actually fire but don't really want anymore mm-hmm. and for whatever reason they're mm-hmm. making a video game and their manager is an absolute idiot who keeps changing on a whim what he thinks a video game should be a look like or be about based on what he mm-hmm. thinks his estranged wife's or his son with his estranged wife would like. Um, and so all the while they're well, trying he's to like, keep I'm up. Cool, with... Dad. Yes, exactly. And so all the while, all while, um, I mean, while they're trying to deal with his random whims on what the game should be like they're just out of sheer spite they're trying to create a secret level to the game where the main character is actually a murderous avatar of destruction that happens to look just like ronald mcdonald <laughs> going around murdering That's everything yes and um yeah it's it's the, the entire book is just insane but um j was actually it was actually it was not bad except for the fact that i mean I, I can't speak for the sections that had chinese written in them just oh, but no. i can tell you for a fact that the one time that he tried to write out like a warning sign or something in japanese it took me a while to figure out what he was trying to say because apparently nobody i mean however he came to this list he came to this uh, particular phrase in japanese He completely Mm -hmm. did not understand the fact that Japanese imperatives don't work the same. Oh, no. And specifically that the Japanese copular, which is the equivalent of to be in English, Mm
0: -hmm.
3: looks like a verb, but is not a verb. Specifically, it does not have a command form. Mm. So it took me quite a while to realize that that this line was supposed to be saying, be quiet. (laughs) And it was actually saying, while being quiet... Yeah. because again because the Japanese copular cannot take a command form so every co- every command of that type in Japanese translates like, uh... more as do it quietly mm. <laughs> but, uh, I'm going to assume that all the Chinese random Chinese sentences in that book were also equally awfully translated yeah, yeah, pro- probably, probably best not
2: to think too much about uh, the
3: attempt at, uh, any language other than English there <laughs> yeah and speaking as a person who will have tons of fun actually make making use of other languages in writing
0: mm.
3: um yeah this is not how ha- he should have had somebody double check mm.
0: uh,
3: yeah. relating
2: re- relating back to this the original question a bit uh i've talked about youtube channel a number of times because it's legitimately very interesting but uh one of the uh, a former Bioware executive producer who left shortly after Anthem wrapped uh, because he was the poor bastard that had to try to help uh, push that across the finish line. Uh, uh, the YouTube channel he has is currently called like Mark on Game Design. But basically, he talks a lot about like dealing with publishers in AAA and how that has to get done. And you'll you'll see some interesting, this sort of like... Fair, fairly obvious, but you know, useful to hear what this is actually like. Uh, stories about you know game, game design in that AAA space, and in and when you're dealing with you know abusing publishers and such. Uh, that's a good video he does where he talks about uh, 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 something he termed the way he phrases it is as table uh, table stakes features, which uh, refers to features that even though most of the audience probably doesn't care to engage much with that feature, it has to be there, because a large percentage of the audience sees it as weird and a mark of troubled development or low budget if it's not. Mm -hmm. Uh, And how these, these features are shifting sort of constantly as they go in and out of style. One of the ones he talks about a lot, because... It's a feature that's in the third Dragon Age, uh, which which he was on, that is in there, but is no one's favorite. Uh, is mounts, uh, like you could ride around on a horse, and no one particularly cares to do that in that game because it doesn't. There's not a lot. There's nothing that really gives you. It actually makes it so party members can't talk with each other. There's there's all sorts of reasons that this is kind of a you know, less interesting feature, but the thought process uh, was that in the early aughts, uh, it, not the aughts, the early tens, that it needed to be in there or else people would question why it wasn't. So it made yeah. more sense to just put it in.
3: And, it's there because yeah. they will note that it's not. It has to check a box,
2: and it was. It's interesting because he talks about how like there's there's periods where that that was a much more developed feature. There were prototypes where like there was combat on horseback entire party uh, your entire party could be on horseback once there were areas that they like designed i don't know if they were implemented but they had designed areas with the idea of like oh well this is an area that's mounted only like only on horseback for this and the issue <clears throat> that you run into when you do something like that in his words is that it sort of becomes the entire game like it it, it takes
3: over the game you because the
2: feature set becomes so complex it kind of has to uh and Basically, so they are del- doing
3: a second game at the same time
2: yeah and so eventually what they had to do was they had to make that feature quote-unquote worse they had to make it less complex they had to remove aspects of the mount feature because otherwise it would have to become the entire game and that's you know it's, it's interesting to see those kind to hear stories about those kinds of considerations. Uh, but yeah, those those are good videos uh, if anyone just wants to sit and listen to someone
1: talk about
2: uh, like reflections about uh, ots and tens Western RPG design for stretches of half an hour to an hour and a half. <laughs> But uh, let's see. Also, someone popped in like five minutes ago while I was going. On it's
1: Tam. Time. Hey, Tam.
2: Tam. Just wanted to say hello. Uh,
4: yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm in no rush. You know, I was. Li- I was actually very uh, engaged with the conversation because I was uh, listening to it on on the way home.
0: <laughs> much obliged. Much obliged.
4: Uh. Um,
2: Okay, Uh, we're going to hit another Fireminer's questions. Uh, The debate about Scarlet and Violet reminds me of what I read a long time ago from EPM. Pokemon is the most successful mid-budget video game in history. Is this the case? we got any hints about how much money went into developing mainline titles, I'd pay to know more about the financial pipeline between Game Freak and the Pokemon company. We don't even know... What the percentages of ownership are on the Pokemon? Uh, we just
3: know that it's Nintendo, Game Freak, and somebody else. Creatures, but yeah, creatures.
2: Nintendo owns an unclear percentage of creatures.
0: Hmm.
1: Which yeah. is
2: because it's not a publicly traded company. Who knows? Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's one of those things where, like, it, the financials on that are kept very deliberately murky. Uh, well, considering, I would imagine...
3: the, considering the breadth of the multimedia empire that is Pokemon, um, yeah, it may be a mid-budget video game series, but it is a big-budget everything else.
2: Yeah, and, and, that's, and that's kind of, like, I think where his question is is going, is, like, this idea of, like, everything around Pokemon is one of the most expensive and profitable uh, media enterprises to ever exist.
0: Uh, but I, I remember over 20 years ago
3: talking with some friends about the Pokemon show and I was like, this is probably the most fantastic advertising setup in existence. Mm-hmm. And my friends were ta- thought oh, I was just talking about the catchphrase gotta catch them all. And I was like, no, no, I'm talking about the entire show. The show isn't uh,
4: if I could make a reference here, I have a feeling that the amount of money in Pokemon is more than the entire Trump estate.
2: Oh, that's, that's a lot of things are more the entire, that's the entire a low, Trump. Estate. It's a low bar.
3: That, yeah. I'm betting that the entire amount of money in the Pokemon Empire is greater than the GDP of quite a few nations.
2: Oh definitely. Uh, but yeah, it, it's one of those situations where uh, the, the way I would look at it is uh, that I would imagine the games are not starved for money, but at the same time, I don't think that they are, certainly I would describe them as, they are not the things that require the most money in this to keep this empire mm. going. There's <laughs>
1: yeah. also the fact that up until now, they've always been on portables.
2: And technically they still are, but... Yeah. And s- hybrid, yeah, hybrid. And this is a
1: yeah. S- high-end switch game is probably still less expensive to make than your God of mm. Bores. Oh yeah, it, uh, probably probably like
3: maybe maybe half what
1: yeah.
3: went, went into God of War Ragnarok. Uh, Plus, I, I'm I'm going to imagine that the churn over at Game Freak is probably less than at your average video game studio. Generally, Nintendo studios tend to have relatively low churn as a whole,
2: so I'd imagine Game Freak's probably not that different, even though Nintendo does not own them, and they totally can and do make things for other platforms.
3: Uh, Um, I'm just thinking since Game Freak does have a strong history with with one specific series, it's a fairly stable studio, and -hmm. Japanese companies tend to hold on to employees for as long as possible. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that means that they, they have... I mean, their programming studio has an institutional memory going back to the late 90s.
2: Yeah, I mean like, you, you can tell because the the face of the the people in high level positions on each of these games has, have not really changed that
3: much. Like Ken Sugimori doesn't exactly design
2: all the Pokemon himself at this stage, but he is still...
3: I mean, he didn't company. at the start either. I mean, he had quite a few yeah. reports on that.
2: Yeah, but but in general, like, you know, Sugimori is still there. Uh, Jinichi Masuda still there Satoshi Taziri still there like you know the the high level of the company has had essentially zero churn and the Mm -hmm. lower level is you know seemingly you know pretty stable because like the thing is like with a lot of studios part of the reason you get churn is that it's unclear what they'll be doing next like it's not clear who they'll who they'll need or what they'll whether they can even afford to keep everyone on, uh, when you're looking at uh, companies that are not huge, and then when you look at companies that are huge in the West, it's like uh, someone's like, oh, I can maybe if I say that I cut costs, I can buy another secret. But uh, in, in general, the the rate of it, there, it never makes sense to let go of people. From a place like Game Freak, because there's never a question of what they're going to make next. It's going to be another yeah. Pokemon.
0: <laughs> hmm.
3: Yeah.
2: Like they, they've they've built up like an exact set of rotating projects, like you do, and uh, to, to the point where someone they they had to hire another company to come in and continue the rotation because they mm-hmm. tried to throw another thing to the rotation. Like the reason I, I would assume that the whole reason that Gilka developed uh, Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl was that Game Freak was busy doing Legends Arceus and there just wasn't yeah. enough bandwidth.
0: Hmm.
1: <laughs> kind of hoping they don't just shove off the eventual black and white remakes to that because I'd like to see a more graphical update to those games.
2: be very hmm. interested to see what the inevitable uh, idea have no guesses as to what black and white uh, remakes will look like, and even beyond that, like, what they'll try to, because I can't, like, part of me wonders, like, do they try doing a black and white 2 remake in addition to black and white?
3: How, if how they do one, result? you figure they gotta do the other, because it's got a continuation of the story. Yeah, you like think it, so.
2: It, it, it's one of those things, like, do black and white 2's campaigns become DLC? Mm. What happens here? Mm-hmm. I, I would I, I would guess no, just by virtue of the fact attach rate for even substantial DLC is terrible, like not yeah. horrible in the sense of like no, uh, not profitable, but like you know, a good DLC attach rate is like thirty percent.
0: Also,
3: Black Two White Two wasn't just an extension; it was very much a really reset. Straight up
2: a sequel. Yeah. So. Yeah, like, it, that, that's a, going to be a complicated set of remakes, no matter how they approach it. It'll be very interesting to see what they do. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, like it, it's one of those things, like, to, to describe Pokemon as... I, I would say that relative to its peers, Pokemon is a mid-budget game, but I think that's as much a consequence of the fact that Game Freak is not an expanding studio, at least not rapidly, and that the timetables are still, you know... There will be a new gen every three years that's just sort of how they work
4: and there's uh, going to be a new game every year
2: yeah there will be something There they're very rarely there are, there will be an
4: off year but it will never
2: be more than one off year and so you know it, it's one of those things like the, there is a necessary point of there's just not really a way to like there's there's the old like saw in project management that like if they wanted to quote unquote expand pokemon's budget what that would end up being is uh it it would be to just increase the number of people working on it and you could theoretically make larger or maybe more polished games maybe if you have more people but at the same time you run into this situation of like the old saw being throwing more bodies onto a late project makes it later that doesn't justify late projects you've suddenly got huge additional management hurdles so like the, dis- the desire to keep the team relatively speaking on the smaller end for like what is by all rights, a AAA production is in part a matter of practicality because you, when you scale up that, like, you create all sorts of managerial headaches. So, uh, yeah, I, I I think that like it's, it's, we we can't say per se how much money is actually spent on an individual Pokemon game, but I think it's also a situation where it's like, how are you measuring this? Because there's just a lot of stuff that, by the nature of Pokemon as a media conglomerate, is technically paying for several things, and so you get into this situation of like, uh, if you're if you're just talking about nuts and bolts, this is the number of people working on it. Like, I think that mid budget probably better describes uh, like they're they're definitely closer to a mid-budget team size than something uh, more in the realm of like say, you know, an Ubisoft game with 20 minutes of credits. Uh, like, that, that would be the best way that
1: I could describe that. Oh, and the only n- thing that... Is no. is what is it, we I just found a Gabite and I accidentally killed it. Okay,
2: uh. I thought for a second you were going to say you weren't recording or some shit, and I was going to. Uh,
1: you. No, I'm not recording. No, I'm just kidding.
2: Wheels, I did not get to sleep until 3 a.m. last night. Um, I had to yeah. wake up at seven. Go fuck yourself. I'm not ready for that.
1: Uh, to be fair, that was my situation too,
2: actually.
4: <laughs> yes, but you have children. You're used to it.
1: That's true. It's true.
4: <laughs> I don't want to hear it from anybody. But uh, yeah, okay. I probably went to sleep at three, and I was up at five fifty-eight in the morning. <laughs>
2: Review. I would recommend getting more.
1: <laughs> also, I just found out that there's basically the Breath of the Wild glider in this game. That's fun. It's kind of awesome. Hmm.
2: Okay. Uh, get another one or two of these. Um. We talk about how bad propaganda can actually make people lower their guard. In other words, can every, uh, everyone knows that Activision uh, has... His phrasing here is Activision is the Pentagon's mouthpiece, but they are, you know, ju- just generally anything that's going to depict the U.S. military with any degree of accuracy is going to get uh, their uh, scripts looked over by the U.S. military and the Pentagon because of, net, like, essentially... You get access to a lot of shit for free if you if they say that the stuff looks fun. Because of how in-your-face Call of Duty's story is, it actually does better at warming its way into people's brains. Just look at Red Dawn. Predicts at the time, you have John Williams's, pet <laughs> shit Bercher-level beliefs. Yeah, that's a that's a reference I hadn't thought about in a while. Uh, made their way into his movies, and Red Dawn still became a piece of the American mythology.
4: Uh,
1: wait,
2: wait, yeah, I mean. I-
4: Wait, what's this about the military again?
1: It's talking about just Call of Duty. That,
2: yeah, it's just Call of Duty, shit. Um,
4: I will tell you, there's a lot of things that use military that does not actually go through DoD when it comes to games and stories and stuff.
2: It's just that you get a lot of access that you would not. It's more, more, It's more of a thing for films because usually they want access to shit like tanks.
4: But yeah, I mean, unless it's someone's like private collection, because there are people who actually privately own tanks. Um,
2: yeah, but areas. usually it's much cheaper instead of dealing with one whack job who owns twenty tanks for some reason to just like, say, <laughs> to just let the Pentagon look at the script and say yes, this is fine.
4: <laughs> yeah, but it, it, I, will, I will tell you, it, most of the time, that does not happen as often as people think it does. Um, mm. it, and if it is, it's usually like very heavily publicized that there was involvement. Uh, as an example, Katy Perry's uh, Piece of Me music video, very heavily involved military on that, uh, specifically the <laughs> Marine Corps.
2: Yeah, or stuff like the Captain
4: Marvel and Top Gun shit. Um, But but it But as far as the video games go um, I think the only Video game I've actually ever heard of That had like a really good Level of access was SOCOM
2: I can think of at least one That probably did but only because of Very strange reasons Uh, Which was uh, Largely forgotten PS2 uh, Tactical game uh, Full Spectrum Warrior Which Uh at one stage of its development, was actively meant to be a uh, essentially partially a training tool, but uh, yeah. oh, and America's Army, of course, because I mean, obviously, that's <laughs> literally a pre-download from the American government. Uh, but yeah, it, it's one of those things. Like, it, there's there's a weird line here between like something that actually has access and something that just knows that the kinds of things that get access tend to sell well. Uh, and thus imitates the stylistic trappings. Uh, I don't actually know what the level of access is for Call of Duty. I've never looked into it. Uh, but in, in general, Call of Duty is very much it, it's a game that comes out on Veterans Day every yeah. year. It's very much shooting for an audience and, fun, and hitting them with a laser
4: focus.
3: All pens intended, of course.
4: Of course, of course.
3: intend your puns cowards
4: I will say that anything that has a laser sight in it is not actually real military fair yes
3: but (laughs) yes but it's what a lot of people would love to have if it actually existed properly which it does not
0: bad idea
4: because as soon as you put a laser sight on someone it's like, oh, I'm going to snipe them from so far away with this laser sight. It's like, and they know where you are now.
2: Exactly. I. Exactly. It's exactly as obvious as if you pointed a laser pointer at their eyes. Um, yep. But yeah, uh, it, it's one of those things like the, I think that the effectiveness of it as uh, propagandizing military action is as much down to the audience that it courts being receptive to that, and because that audience is, you know, I, I would argue that the effectiveness has much to do with the fact that the, uh, not so much that it's in your face, although that helps attract that audience, but more to do with the fact that like people are more sympathetic when sympathetic to a message when the things that surround it is something they consider to be fun. <laughs> And uh, you know, we could have discussions about how uh, uncomplicated uh, celebrations of war tend to make themselves fun. And there's a lot to go in there. It's probably a little outside the can of a video game podcast, but you know, maybe maybe someday in another in another uh, context, I can go for it into a that
4: list of people who own a bunch of military hardware. I want to
2: know as little about those people as possible.
4: Uh, <laughs> I I shared the link. Oh wow, that's that's actually really cool. Huh. Some of the uh, stuff they own is actually really cool looking.
0: Mm-hmm. But
4: let's
2: let's hit some of the more we're equipped to
4: answer them questions. <laughs> um, at, least, at least I was here for the military stuff. That's yeah.
2: important.
3: Uh, having
4: the military, having the the former navy naval seaman on, on staff occasionally comes in handy. Yes, it does.
2: Now to hit what we're all experts in, Dragon Quest. Do people engage with Dragon Quest as a brand more than Dragon Quest games? Is there a DQ uh, film that buy all uh, is there a DQ fan that by all merit buys all the merch, watches the anime, and reads all the manga, but never plays the games, or maybe just plays the mobile game? can't imagine that human being existing. I'm sure they must, but I don't think it's a significant cross-section.
0: But I know, like,
3: um... It's random <laughs> stuff, but, for example, one of my co-teachers in the high school is a huge Dragon Quest fan, mm. and the lady who sits at the front desk of the high school has a Dragon Quest pouch. She doesn't play, but she has the pouch because she likes the slime. Mm. And, nice. and right now they've got another one of those, um lucky dip things going on where you can win prizes in in form of Dragon Quest merchandise at the convenience store. Mm. Uh, we so.
4: also got a spammer in chat. Oh, God.
1: <sighs>
4: uh,
3: I have, uh... <sighs> so, um, I will say that there balance. is a significant market for Dragon Quest merchandise that goes beyond what you would probably be able to sell to just the gamers.
2: Yeah. I get them. Yeah, I don't think that
3: there is a uh,
2: uh, the, so yeah like to, to look back at the original question there, there's like two dimensions to this as it exists. There are definitely people who are fans of things in uh, in, in Dragon Quest who don't have particular specific attachment to the games but the the I, I think that the number of people who love everything about the games and by all, everything except the games themselves is probably a vanishingly small demographic.
3: Yeah. So If you're a major fan, you definitely have the game, but you don't have to be a major fan to enjoy the merchandise.
2: Yeah, there, there's there's definitely a lot of casual fans of this, like, I just really like this monster, I think it's cute, and there's merch with it, so I have that.
4: <laughs> and then there's slime.
2: Yeah, usually slime. Someday I hope it will be the sham. There will be a ton of sham hat, which uh, merch, but not yet, not yet.
4: I, I'm a big fan of the cucumbers.
3: Nightmares, <laughs>
4: nightmares everywhere.
3: Cucumbers.
4: There's a lot of really good, cute monsters in Dragon Quest.
0: Mm.
2: Another from this batch. What game franchises have grown to the point that the brand is worth more than the Mario, Sonic, Pokemon, etc.? I think you kind of um, hit all of all Yeah, those
0: are
3: the big ones, yeah. Final Fantasy.
4: So,
2: like, maybe more than the Not individual games, games but the games are still the core here.
3: Yeah. I mean, Final Fantasy has its merchandise, but its merchandise has not extend has not um, gone past the profit from the game itself.
2: Yeah, and and beyond that, I would also
3: say that like, it
2: you can, it's very hard to be a generalist Final Fantasy fan just because of the nature of things. Yeah. Uh, So it's hard to, you know, you, you. in the ops, especially, you saw a lot of attempts to branch into other media that would. Uh, uh, you, you'd see it, you saw a lot of attempts to branch into other media that would make it a more generalist like phenomenon. And I think that by the fact that you haven't heard anyone say a thing about Final Fantasy Unlimited in 15 years, that didn't work. <laughs>
1: Does that still exist?
2: No, no it doesn't. It was an anime that it ran for like twenty six episodes in like mm. two thousand four. <laughs> mm. It was, was beloved it? by no one. It didn't really like the the idea of what a Final Fantasy anime should be was jelloy and indistinct and it
4: didn't. Oh really you're talking Final Fantasy Unlimited.
2: Yeah, that's mm. why I said Final Fantasy Unlimited.
4: Oh, I I missed the unlimited part. For for a moment my brain went to Legend of the Crystals.
0: Oh, God. No. <laughs> That's one,
2: that one is That's very actually
4: I of, too.
0: Yeah.
2: That one is actually very specifically tied to a very specific game. So, I mean, it had that over it's unlimited. was
3: to Final Fantasy V, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah,
2: it's, it's like, I think mid from FF FF5 shows up as an old man in that one.
1: All right, brief aside, pick my Romancing Saga starter.
3: Um, imagine you do it. <laughs> I'm tired. Okay, randomly, I'm going to say Captain Hawk.
1: Okay, Budai was leaning that way too, so.
3: It's been resolved.
1: What should I rename him? Falco. I don't know, Um, Falco's
3: already a very cool name.
1: Yeah, it's true, okay. Come on, rock me on (laughs) the face. But let's
2: see. Uh, But yeah, like... Yeah, like the, the attempt to the attempt to turn Final Fantasy into a multimedia franchise that could appeal to people who didn't already play games. Uh basically with a thud between FF Unlimited and uh, Spirits Within. Well
3: um, I do have a Chocobo card game in the other room. Granted, <laughs> I got it for like five hundred yen from a second hand store. But I do have it. Um, yeah, they, they've
2: never stopped trying to make it happen, but I don't think they've ever managed to make it so that Final Fantasy can be a brand stronger than the game.
3: Yeah, and I do know that all of the attempts at a collectible card game have failed.
2: I do Yeah, most most card games are dead within three years. It feels like.
4: Although I uh... mean, although the couple of gacha games have been doing very well. But those are yeah, still but they're games. always.
2: They're but not in, the like, one I early.
1: liked. Sad face. They're
2: always in which one is that? They're
0: always
1: the Battle in- Royale.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're always in a horrible state of flux where there's like five uh there's like five Final Fantasy gotchas at any given moment. Every time I would look there like two of them are the same as the last time. <laughs> and three of them are unrelated products I've never heard of. I don't know. Like, I don't think Final Fantasy Record Keeper still exists, but I still don't know what the difference is between it and Brave Exvius.
4: Keeper um, was basically the concept of you fixing timelines because something has been going and screwing them up, whereas Brave Exvius has its own story, complete of itself. Like, honestly, if you wanted to play a Final Fantasy Gotcha for a story, or I, I would say Brave <laughs> it's, it's a, it actually does, but it has like a story that goes throughout, like multiple chapters and everything. It's a, it's a full on like thing.
2: Oh, I, I believe you. I just like, to me, the existence of gotcha elements is a poison pill that is impossible to pass.
4: Oh yeah, no, I there are plenty of people like that, and here I am playing three of them right this very second.
3: Well, as long as it's not and destroying. I have yeah. played some very decent games that had gotcha elements on three DS, but they weren't. Play it to pay. Uh, gotcha elements. Yes.
2: Yeah, like I, I can see like Gotcha as a concept working in a if I'm not like paying for pulls. Like once once it becomes like money for Gotcha pulls, it's like nope, I am out. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Uh,
4: Most of them do have like free, you know, there's currency that they'll give you. So,
2: they need to make sure it, it needs to be a situation where I could not buy pulls if I wanted. <laughs> that is that is my my thought process here i am saying that there is an interesting there are interesting game design experiments to be done with the concept of randomization of resources yeah. and now, the gotcha is a way of doing that
4: now the real question is what's the difference between brave exeas and brave exeas more of the war of the
2: crystals uh, opera omnia uh...
4: no omnia is the Decidia one
1: I'm so lost right now.
3: There's totally so lost. many
1: Final
4: Fantasy gotchas. Like I said, anytime, <laughs> yeah. I at, anytime I
2: look at them, there's five of them and none of them, and only two of them will be the same as the last time I looked. Medius hasn't existed in years. Remember type? Uh, remember Final Fantasy Agito?
3: Yeah, I I remember that it existed. I thought it was is that, Agito. But... Is that
1: related to Type-Zero?
2: It was technically yeah. kind of a spinoff. Well.
3: That's a waste. It was, it, was announced, it was announced as part of the same overlying project as Type-0, I think.
2: Well, Type-0, Ag- Agito 13, or Agito 13, I don't know. It does not matter. Uh, I'm
3: going to assume it it's Agito, 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 because that's the Japanese word for hideout.
2: Well, uh, uh, Agito was, like, initially when it was Agito 13, it was, like, a Latin thing. So Latin one,
4: of Latin. one of those was supposed to be one of them turned into Final Fantasy 0, and one of them got turned into Final Fantasy 15. I don't know which one's which.
2: Versus 13 became 15. Agito okay. slash Agito became Type 0. But after Type 0, they were like, what if we turned it? Cause like when, when Agito 13 was announced, it was a cell phone game. And then it turned into a PSP game. After Type 0 came out, they were like, what if we did Type 0 on a phone? <laughs> Called it Final Fantasy Agito. <laughs> But it wasn't <sighs> exactly the same game. It had its
4: own dumb storyline, and I think gotcha elements. Honestly, and... the one Final Fantasy mobile game I would want to play is one of the discontinued ones where it was basically you're playing a squall on his fucking motorcycle.
3: But... Hey, I remember that there was a cell phone game that was just the snowboarding from Final Fantasy VII. That one
2: even came out in English. <laughs> The, uh, the most hellish uh, Final Fantasy mobile game remains uh, Dirge of Cerberus Lost Episode, which was a uh, circa 2005 uh, third-person shooter on the flip phone.
4: I thought it was the First Soldier.
2: First Soldier is the Battle
4: Royale game from last year. No, the, the original First Soldier.
2: There's... <laughs> No, final, Dirge of Cerberus Lost Episode is the one that I'm thinking, of. Are, you thinking no, th- of. are you thinking of Before Crisis?
4: Before Crisis, thank you. That's the one I'm thinking of.
2: That one's an actual RPG. That one's Dirge of Cerberus. being remade in Ever Crisis. Also have gotcha elements. Uh, but uh, Dirge of Cerberus Lost Episode was a high-end game to the PS2 Vincent Valentine third-person shooter. Uh but it was it was still a third-person shooter but it was played on a flip phone which is the most hellish concept i've ever heard in my life um but yeah uh final fantasy uh spin-off games are essentially infinite but they're constantly they're built essentially only for people who are at most lapsed final fantasy fans (laughs) You can't really—they don't really—I feel like draw in a lot of audience broader than that, which is probably at least in part why they're constantly like dying and being recreated because it's a situation where it's like, well, eventually those last Final Fantasy fans get their fill after like three to six months, so it's time to move on, to like draw them in with another thing that plays on a different part of the stuff. But yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of. I can't really think of anything beyond what I mentioned of things of things that were games that have grown beyond that have grown into such a strong multimedia franchise that like the games are now just a part of the multimedia effort. Uh,
4: Sonic and Mario are probably the two biggest. In yeah, Sonic, Mario, too.
2: Pokemon. That's kind of yeah, kind kind of all you got, and then the rest it's just like there there are games with healthy. Uh, Spin off material in other markets, but there's nothing that's really eclipsed the video game to be a multimedia empire as much as Square tried so hard to do this that they literally invented the nightmarish, uh, the absolutely nightmarish uh, neologism polymorphic content.
4: I mean, some of them, have, some of them have uh, are trying. Um, Azure Lane, uh, Arknight
2: yeah, gotcha gotcha games in general are very much pushing to try to become this in most of them like which is why all of them will have like just tons of like spin-off material but I feel like the gotchas are still the most famous parts of the whole
4: time. yeah well Ark Knights a um, current anime is supposed is supposed to be actually be pretty good
2: oh I believe it but it's one of those things where I think Arknights itself still is like the main tentacle of it. Uh, I, thought of, I thought of another one that hits this by virtue of the fact that the original source material was relatively niche, but now the gacha game is terrifyingly profitable.
0: Mm.
2: And it's fucking fate. Between the gacha game and the animes, I think that more people experience that through its multimedia content than the original visual one.
4: Well, I mean, I, I, you know what? You're probably right on that. I, 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 I was not even thinking of Fate Stay Night or just Fate.
2: Yeah, like I mean, yeah, I mean, like Fate Go is
4: nightmarishly profitable, as far as I can tell. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, it's had multiple games. Uh, it started as a visual novel, which was what their second one after uh Tsukihime? After
2: Tsukime, I think. But yeah, like
4: which Tsukuhime itself tried to be uh, also a uh, the, uh, they're thing still and... kind of trying to make that work but yeah that, that anime is just so piecemeal together though I mean I enjoyed it, I own the box set I enjoyed it but is it a good anime? Not really
3: <laughs> no but again Type Moon is another example of a Japanese studio that's been together for a long time they're closer to the net and they have their personal projects that they keep plugging
2: Yep, they're still going for it. They still like. There's, I think every, I think every year or so, there's like proof of life that that Tsukihime remake is still being worked on in some capacity. But, uh, yeah, like it's just one of those things. Like, uh, yeah, like I, I would say that that's that's one that I could say like the, in part, it happened because the original source material was so niche. And then between the animes, which have been of highly variable quality, but like certainly the ufotable animes have been uh, fairly uh, have probably been significantly more widely seen than the uh, amount of people certainly uh, perhaps in Japan, I can't say, but like certainly outside Japan, certainly more widely than the visual novel. Uh, the like endless uh, just barrage of spin-offs in disparate genres and uh, general like audience intention uh, like I, I'm still like mentally recovering from watching a friend stream the goddamn fate cooking game like six months ago like just an entire game based off of a spinoff novel. Not even a spinoff novel, a, a spinoff manga about the characters eating dinner together.
1: Um, what the hell? Exactly. Yeah. Uh,
2: it's, there, there's a, like, PS4 game that was just a game based off that spinoff that was technically spun off the game, but, like, you know, broad, broadly speaking, the original visual novel is just a, a relatively small part of the media empire at this stage. So I would I would argue that Fate is a good example of that and that the primary tentacle at this stage is actually probably
0: the gotcha game.
2: But you know, it, it's a case where like the gotcha game, part of the reason that we we talk about gotcha games as being as being treated as a fundamentally different appeal is that so much of the appeal for a gotcha game is a way to sell aesthetic to people. Like we've got tons of art of all these characters and the game exists as much as a premise for how to sell you that art.
4: And and some of them do have really deep stories. I I played one last week that literally had me break down my chair crying because the events in the game were that sad and well written.
2: Yeah, I don't I don't disbelieve you even though I Oh
4: yeah, just, you just... you don't. There are people who do, but I know you 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 have your reasons, and I understand them. I'm, yeah. you know, we'll discuss them back and forth. But I'm not going to be like you're wrong. You should. It's like no. You you have a very clear reason why you're not dismissing them outright.
2: Yeah, and I'm glad I'm glad that people enjoy them. But it, when I, when I describe, describe that, like I, I do think that the writing is part of selling the aesthetic. Like you, you know, it's it's hard to sell people just JPEGs. Ask any artist on. Them ask any digital artist on the internet but uh the the writing is part of selling these these aspects of aesthetic and you know strong writing tends to sell for more people but uh j- just in general uh like the uh you know part, part of the reason we describe gotcha we we talk about mobile games and gotcha games as being treated as like being a world apart is because uh the the gameplay the the game part of it is kind of just a part of just keep pacing out the parts that you that theoretically are really keeping people there in a lot of in many if not most cases like the gameplay paces out like aspects of the pulling for the characters that you want and the uh story chapters as they come out uh, you know, like, like a lot of people get deep into the gameplay and you know optimize for that, but I, I feel like in many, if not most, of like the non whale players' cases, like those are kind of just pacing out the bits where they're like getting the things that they most want out of it, so it's like a, a fundamentally a, a different core appeal in a lot of ways. Uh, but yeah, so I, I would say that in uh, among those like especially in japan where i think they go is like one of the most po- profitable gacha games uh in the country uh check the yeah okay like the most recent profit i can dig up uh seems to be in 2020 uh, but uh yeah, that that seems to be one of the one of those situations where like mostly spin-off media, like an endless array of things that at first glance might not even register as spin-off. Because they have titles that like make sense as spin-off material if you've heard of the original, but someone who doesn't know what fate is might not even know that the case files of Al Molloy is a spin-off. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'm sure that most people wouldn't realize that something like Puni Puni, or Puyo Puyo, that something like Puyo yeah, Puyo. It started
2: style. as part of Mado Monogatari.
3: Which is why they had, when they wanted to remake that game, um, Compile Heart had to completely restart from the ground up because they didn't own any of the characters from the original game anymore.
0: Mm. Yeah. <laughs>
3: because Sega still owned them because they were connected to Puyo Puyo. <laughs> mm. Which is how we get, was it Say Mado Monogatari with the curry game
2: yeah oh well but yeah it, it, it's one of those things like it, it, it's it's a very rare phenomenon theres it, it, there's the occasional thing but mo- most of the time the uh, most most franchises are still in that situation where like the anime or the game uh, the the anime or the merch or the manga or the light novels they have, some audience outside of people who play the game, but they're not an audience loyal to the brand. It's just like that particular spin off hit, and they liked that. Uh, as opposed to uh, this, I this ecosystem of capital and merch that allows them to fully engage with the franchise, despite not really touching what is theoretically its core component. Uh, I I think that, yeah, Fate is the only other one I can think of, and it's a very strange case of the spinoffs blew up much higher than the relatively niche original product. Uh,
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, I think... Oh boy, okay, yeah, I need sleep. Uh, so i think we should I was get wondering to... how long yeah we're let's wrap this off. up yeah yeah um uh, it's gonna be great it's gonna be great asleep uh so let's wrap this up uh Gaijin,
3: tell me about your currently
0: non-franchised work ha. <laughs> uh-huh.
3: okay so we have we have princesses of the pizza parlor available on Kindle and kindle unlimited it is like yeah well I mean I I know that currently all the rage on the podcast, you have the actual play stuff with people um, doing Dungeons & Dragons or Pathfinder or whatnot, and this is basically that in print format. It's a series of, or it's a series of novellas in ebook form or um, paper paperback collections. However, I will say, I will say that you do not need to buy any of it this month because next month is the author's birthday sale. <laughs> So I've already booked some advertising for this, yay. But um, start from January 9th through the rest of that week, second week of January. Um, the first episode in the series is completely free and everything else is going to be half price. And if luck if luck will have it, then I will have episode 10 out by the end of that week. Ooh, okay. Yay, finally. Yes, yay. So, yes, yeah, so please set your calendars. January 9th, the princesses of the pizza parlor Author's birthday sale. Please.
2: Okay, we're finally we're finally advertising that far enough in advance. The episode will definitely
3: be up before that happens.
1: It's true.
3: (laughs) I figured I should start early. Um, Like I said last year, I waited a little too late and um, was not able to actually get an advertising thing set up in time Ah. for it because all of the spaces were reserved. But hey, I managed to grab it for my birthday this year. Oh yeah. Month and a half in advance. <laughs> good so, work, good work. I was very, very happy about that.
2: Mm. But yeah, that's Princesses of the Pizza Parlor. Uh, Michael Yadimizu, Kindle and Kindle. <laughs> y yep.
3: A R I M I Z U, because hey, my actual name is impossible to Google properly.
2: And on the bright side, if you get invested in the, in the characters playing these, the fictional characters playing these even more fictional characters, None of them is going to accidentally break up the group because it turns out that they were a sex monster at some
3: point. So, <laughs>
2: you know, that's easier than it y- best. yes. So that fun. there is there <laughs> is that
3: benefit here. Yes, <laughs> very very much this benefit. Yeah,
4: just reminded but, yeah. me of a quote. Is that it? Mm-hmm. I'm I'm sure what
3: right. I like that.
4: Nope. <laughs> that is from uh, Shay Geek, by the way. The uh, Nookie Monster card.
0: What? You know what? I don't want
1: to know. Don't want to know. Wheels. Know. wheels. wheels. Uh, so, Sunday night shenanigans. Twitch.tv/slashs. Wheels. Play multiplayer games. Best two weeks. Uh, Smoke and Joe and I have been playing Pokémons, messing around with the co-op, which has kind of been a blast. So we may make it three weeks in a row. I don't know.
2: Three peat. Three peat. Three peat. This is pretty fun. It's either going to uh, be dead or St. Thoreau because he seems to be hanging hangman for
1: that. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully once you get a copy of it, we'll we can try three people co-op in Pokemon's.
2: Then it will be the true three people. Uh-huh.
1: And, and yeah. uh, uh, due for an adventures in platforming, next up is going to be uh, Sonic Frontiers. This is a cool game.
2: Calling that will probably be Recon, I think.
1: Yes, uh, well overdue for repack, but Sonic's going to come first. Uh, and this is all on Twitch slash askwheels, oh my god. Uh, and uh, of note, if you would like to ask us questions on social media platforms, please don't waste your time on fucking Twitter. Uh, you can find me on Mastodon on Mastodon. Lol, as Ask Wheels, if you're brave enough to mess around with Mastodon. Don't to social media. Yes. Uh, you can also find me on that Hive social thing, and generally as, twi- as Twitter replacements pop up, I will jump on whatever pops up and. You know, we'll see what I've sticks. i
2: posting on co-hosts.
1: Yes, I also have a co-host, but I still can't post yet, so...
2: Wait, you're still in poster jail? Apparently. <laughs> listen, any... <laughs> listen, find my co-host, it's terrible, and you can see uh, me posting things like uh, images from an old... Uh, PC88 game that has official art for one of the protagonists just shouting, go to the hell, fucker. Nice. That's how I advertise. Nice. Uh,
1: but yeah, uh, it's... is any, As anyone should note at this point, something is going to come out to rival Twitter. What exactly that ends it, up being?
2: It, it, that will be determined largely by uh, whether Twitter gets self-banned from Europe
1: Yes. or later. But clearly, there's there's a hankering f- to get all, get the fuck off Twitter, to, <laughs> to something similar. Ship, yes. Rack so, uh, whatever, like I said, whatever sticks, I will be there. Um, uh, but I will definitely be staying on Mastodon because it's a nice, quiet little corner of the internet. So,
2: as long as you're sufficiently federated into a, series. yes,
1: yes. So you can you can find me there. That one's probably going to stick. Who knows with the Hive or whatever.
2: I think that one just went down for a few days due to some sort of data breach.
1: Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Let's yeah. See. Uh, let's see. Uh, Tam.
4: You can catch me uh, two days a week on twitch.tv slash Uh, Usually Tuesdays and Thursdays mornings where I am working my way through like a few different rpgs for the channel um and then uh you can also follow us at uh, twitter.com rpgamer where we tweet out our news news threads and stories as well um we actually had some big news stories this week uh with a cozy game editorial that a number of people uh worked on and then uh I have brought it up to the higher powers on if um, the Twitter situation, and right now the uh, powers that be have stated uh, we are weathering the storm for the moment and we'll see what happens in the future.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Probably the prudent choice. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, that reminds me, I forgot a big news story in that uh, Monster Hunter... Rise is coming to Xbox and PS5 in general.
2: No, that's why people were suddenly asking about Monster Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot
1: for. Uh, Hoping, but it's not going to happen, that they could put in some cross save, maybe? It's not nope. going to happen. No. Nope. It's no.
2: It's even less likely than uh, cross play.
1: Motherfuckers are going to get me to play through that game a third and/or fourth time.
2: Go for it. it. Go for the hat trick. Ugh, fine. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not actually suggesting that. (sighs) Sorry, I I booted up Final Fantasy Mystery Quest a bit last night. It's the only thing that is keeping my brain awake. So we should should wrap this
1: up. Uh, Yes.
2: Uh... You can ask the questions, you can ask them by uh, in, via the way that good friend Carl did, by posting a comment on this very episode on RPGamer.com, or you can ask them the way that good friend Fireminer did, by uh, posting in the uh, RPGamer Discord in the podcast section. If you haven't been to the RPGamer Discord, you can get there by going to the community tab, where you will find the vitelines. It's a lovely community, don't be a dick.
1: Uh, yes oh by the way there's a new season of destiny next week so i apologize in advance because i will be insufferable
2: yeah, do, do, i need do, do you not... to understand that i will be coming off of another podcast and will essentially have not had any break aside from eating uh after getting off work that day so i'll be i, I will not be ready to weather you weather you gladly do,
4: <laughs> do, not, do not make me use a post to get the mods involved on the discord i do not like getting involved
2: yeah, that's never fun. No one likes that. So, you know, just, just be nice. It's a nice also community. There's
0: a lot of nice people. people. Live and love Uh
2: Yeah, uh, so, you know, join the join the RPG at this part, even if you don't want to ask it, so please, we'd yes. to last questions. Please, we love when people ask questions. Fireminer, we haven't hit all of your questions from the last batch, but we'll make sure to hit the rest of them next week. Uh, but otherwise, it's probably time for us to on out of here. So, see ya.
1: See ya. you <laughs>